Hey, everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with this week's episode of the Jungle War podcast, powered by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Here on this week, entering week six of the National Football League, I have the one and only Charlie Goldsmith of the Cincinnati Inquirer. He breaks down the Bengals unlike anybody else, and that's why I'm having him on this week. I think it's a great time to sit back and break down what happened Sunday in Arizona, look ahead to Sunday uh, at home against Seattle, a, a crucial two-game stretch here for the Bengals as they try to get back to 500 before the bye week. Uh, Charlie, welcome back. How's it going? I'm doing well, Charlie, and I want to get right to your uh chalkboard breakdown uh, in the Cincinnati Inquirer uh, newsletter uh, that you worked on uh, for Monday. And that is what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, how they work together, unlike any other quarterback wide receiver duo in the National Football League. That's a good jumping off point. The, the thing that stuck with me the most is I asked Orlando Brown after the game, is there anything here that reminds you of Mahomes and Kelsey? And he said, the biggest thing is, the way they are completely on the same page from a communication standpoint, from a creativity standpoint about ideas and opportunities to make explosive plays and touchdowns. The 63 yard touchdown was an incredible example based on something that Joe Burrow was seeing. He went to Zach. Then they met, talked, talked with Jamar. They had repped it once in practice, but they still had a complete full confidence in the play. They know they don't need to drill something in dozens of times because Joe and Jamar are just going to naturally know what to do. And that is something combined with the style that they can make with, that they can play with on a play like that. That's just something you don't see very often. Do you think that carries over from their days at LSU? It's interesting. So like, yes, but also like we we're talking about this with Joe and Jamar when Jamar was a rookie, like Joe's been playing with Tyler Boyd for four years now. Joe's been playing with T Higgins for was it three years now three. Mm -hmm. um, or four years now? Yeah. Jamar's yeah. been three years. Same class like, as Joe. Right. Yes. We've been, we've been saying this about Joe and Jamar for years already. I, I do think there's just something about them. It also is just something about Jamar. Jamar is the most versatile wide receiver in football. Um, Jamar can create opportunities. I think T's incredible. Tyler Boyd's a great role player. Jamar can just do things and keep defenses guessing in ways that they can't, um, it opens up the box in that way to fully maximize and capitalize on kind of that skill set and that chemistry they have. You wrote uh, in the chalkboard about that play that Zach Taylor trusted that both of them would be ready when that big play, that big post route uh, came up in the game, obviously uh, in the third quarter. Why did you say that? Why did you write that? Well, the, the most interesting thing to me, again, was that they'd only practiced it once because they don't want Jamar to get tired running the same round a million times. Um, that's the kind of thing you can't do until you're in like year, year four of this for Joe and year three of this for Jamar. You need to have so much banked. And it's not just practice reps. Um, you, you need to, again, be on the same page. It's something that almost has to be unspoken calling the play. Everyone knows exactly what they have to do and how all of the pieces fit together. Um, it's also a play that takes advantage of Jamar's skill set. It wasn't the most crazy route from him. He said, my job on that play was to run fast. And he did uh, out running the safety to get the ball. Again, it was just such a good snapshot of what makes this whole operation work. What I also, uh, what, what also impressed me on Sunday is how 
Jamar got open short, intermediate, and deep. And I'm sure you noticed that same thing early in that game. Obviously, they were feeding uh, Jamar on that first drive. They were also feeding Trenton Irwin, and we can get to Trenton Irwin in a little bit and why he has been so critical uh, to this offense. But I thought that the offensive game plan going in, I thought it was very solid. I thought uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan had a very good day scheming ways to get Jamar uh, Chase not only involved, but get him open early. So this won't sound, I'm just going to, so like, go ahead and say it, Charlie. (laughs) I thought they had a really good game plan for Jamar Chase against the Titans. They only scored three points. It was like the worst game we've ever seen, but I saw something in that game that was like, they have ideas Mm. here for expanding Chase's role in ways that they hadn't seen before. The ways they were using motion, the ways they were using motion to get Jamar in the backfield, the way they were just using Jamar in the backfield, the RPO package for Jamar out of the slot, the way Chase, and you know, this season's been doing out motions to go from the slot to outside. Like you've seen all these layers be baked in. The Bengals offense was terrible week one through week four. But the one bright spot for me was I was thinking they have they have something cooking here. And then kind of what we saw on Sunday was the, uh, what's the cooking metaphor? I don't bake the fully, you know, finished product, I guess, you know, the cake was ready to go. You were, yes. you know, you can, the eat cake the had risen, now. the fully risen. Exactly. <laughs> but most importantly, you could finally get the reward, the, uh, the sweet reward of all that, you know, work that right. led to it being to that finished product point. There was weeks of work that led up from a schematic perspective, Jamar being ready and having the right matchup to do all the advanced stuff he did on Sunday. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. One more time, that's FanDuel.com Boston. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and older and present in Massachusetts, Hope is here. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, GameSenseMA.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. The other thing I noticed uh, throughout that game is I thought Joe and Jamar were looking for each other at critical points. And we saw that on the very first Mm -hmm. drive, of course, when Jamar uh, found a little zone in the back of the end zone while uh, Joe Burrow was scrambling for his life. But... uh, scrambling for his life is a bit harsh i think and a bit of a a bit of a hyperbole here when he slid back and showed he could avoid the pass rush slid back to his right stop on a dime and make that throw that to me signaled that joe burrow was back 
the best part of that play too was it was a long, long developing play. It wasn't uh, an improvised play. It wasn't a out of structure play. The route for Jamar on that play was to wait at the top of the back line, turn one leg at the safety to get behind him, and then cut back towards the back corner. That is a long developing play. Yes, that is a play, even though I don't know that the Bengals really knew how much Burrow would be able to move at that point. That was a play that you need to have some of that from Burrow to even have the confidence to call. And Burrow threw a great ball. That is a really tough throw across your body into the back corner of the end zone into that tight window. I believe there was another corner kind of coming up from closer to the line of scrimmage to make it an even tighter window. Uh, those are the types of plays that, that win the Bengals games and that make the offense have the ceiling that it has. Okay. A lot of Bengal fans watching this right now, Charlie want to know from you. It's great. We saw it one week. We saw it against the one win Arizona Cardinals going forward against a defense like the Seattle Seahawks coming up this Sunday at Paycor going up against the Seattle. Uh, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers defense in three weeks after the, you know, one week after the bye. are we going to see the same type of production and explosiveness or the potential for that explosiveness uh, when the teams and the competition and the defenses get better? So there are some caveats like the Cardinals. We didn't talk about this at all. The Cardinals had maybe their two best defensive backs leave the game with injuries. Um, on top of that, Buda Baker's already out. On top of that, it's a bunch of undrafted, you know, rookies who have never been starters, a 30-something-year-old safety. On top of that, Jamar said that they only played press man coverage once against him. And that is what, like, most notably Cleveland did to really have success against the Bengals receivers. I think the, the best secondaries against the Bengals have been the most aggressive when you have the talent and the athleticism on the outside to play that way. Right. Seattle does that. You won't find a cornerback duo with as much pure athleticism as Seattle has on the outside. Um, you're going to see teams be more aggressive against the Bengals. They still have a lot to prove in that area. Um, it should help expecting to get T Higgins back in the short term. It should help kind of, uh, again, the added layers you have with Jamar. So teams can't take him away as much because he's harder to know where he's going to be. So, so they have reasons to be more confident, but there are very clear reasons from a schematic and from a personnel standpoint that there's more of the passing game has to show against different competition. All right. Uh, a lot of Bengal fans were screaming, if not throwing things at their set, if they were not at State Farm Stadium themselves on Sunday when Joe Mixon failed to get in uh, late in the second quarter on third and one, uh, third and goal from the one, fourth and goal from the one. What did you see on those two runs and how can the Bengals improve their ability to pick up a yard when they need a yard? <sighs> This is a very existential question. <laughs> That's why question. I have you on, Charlie. <laughs> it's a very existential question. The Bengals weren't built to be a power run team, and they will tell you this. They didn't yes. draft, or they didn't sign, except for Orlando Brown, they didn't sign offensive linemen who are these big downhill physical forward guys. They got great pass protectors and they got great athletes. And it's a reminder that everything is built and designed around Burrow, and that's fine. But you also need to have the element where you can run the ball downhill in to the end zone. You need that. You need to hit on the runs. There was one run where Mixon just should have broken a tackle. He had to make one guy miss and he couldn't. But in any goal-to-go situation, it's on the offensive line as well, just needing to create more forward space. Burrow, the Bengals will never be an under-center offense. And I have no, I have even less confidence in their under-center running game than I did at the start of the season um, because of how ugly it's looked in like the three snaps where they've tried it. 
Um, so you're living in shotgun. You're living kind of with that gap scheme downhill approach, and they just haven't proven they can win with those matchups yet. It's something they'll need to be better at. I don't think it's even a schematics thing. I think it's just a have to block and run harder thing. Um, yeah, it, it's one of the most important things the Bengals will have to prove they can do. Well, and I also think some of it, Charlie, and you, and you watch the film, obviously, I think Joe Mixon has to read to the outside a little bit more, a little bit more aggressively, because in the times where I see him get plugged up in the middle, there are opportunities. I believe it was um, Mitchell Wilcox who had a really good seal block on the outside on fourth down, where if he cuts two steps to his right, he literally walks into the end zone. And I think to me, that's on Joe Mixon, right? His, his vision to kind of see that and anticipate it you know, before he gets to the line of scrimmage where what by the time he gets there, you know, it's there's nowhere else to go. The play's essentially over. You're either, you know, going to get a tush push into the end zone or you're not going to make it. And on Sunday, he didn't make it. So let's talk about Joe Mixon. Last year, he was the best singles hitter in football, in football after the Bengals changed their scheme in week five. And what I mean by that is the most efficient running back in the NFL. He got you four yards of carry basically every single time. His success rate was exactly what the Bengals needed to keep them on schedule down and distance wise. What have you seen from Mixon in 2023? You've seen more big runs. You've like, you didn't have, I don't think any missed tackles in week five, right. but you saw more missed tackles. You saw more powerful cuts and explosive moments, not necessarily the 30 yard runs, but in the eight to 15 yard range, you saw a lot yeah. of that more often than you saw last year, but the efficiency hasn't been there. He's getting more extra base hits. His on-base percentage is tanked. Um, the Bengals need Joe Mixon to be the Joe Mixon he was last year. That's what the offense needs. The offense will never be designed around its running game. They need Mixon to keep them on schedule more than make the big play. So, you know, and I made this point last week in a column. Last year, one of the huge adjustments that they made, and it paid, paid dividends for Joe Mixon, was going from the wide zone to the gap blocking scheme. Um, do you see anything like that maybe developing this year that the Bengals give consideration to? They're not going to change what they do, right? They're not going to be an under center uh, offense per se. They're not going to change how they call their plays, what their base uh, offensive element is, which is really a mixture, a hybrid of, of elements to begin with. But they're not going to change the basics of their offense, but they can tweak it here and there. Are there one or two tweaks you think the Bengals offensively might be giving consideration to uh, going forward? So it's one they're giving consideration to, but it's one that I disagree with. Go. I think the pistol stuff they've been working on isn't it. They're, they're running more pistol. I don't think they ran barely any pistol last year. You've seen more of it baked into the offense this year. The idea is the quarterback technically isn't under center, but the running back is behind him and is able to get downhill more. But the whole point of being under center or being pistol, whatever, for your passing game is what that can set up play action-wise. The whole point of where you line up is how the running game and the passing game work together. And the number one reason Joe Burrow doesn't like being under center is because on play action passes, he doesn't like turning his back to the defense. And in pistol, sure. on a play action pass, Joe Burrow will still have to turn his back to the defense. I don't think that's the answer. I think there are some things they can do that can kind of help the running game with it. What I like most about the Bengals offense is when the running game and the passing game look the same. I think they need to lean further into their shotgun running game and be more creative with their scheme in those areas. 
All right. Uh, what about uh, the Bengals and their defense? Uh, what are you going to What would yes, you suggest to yeah, Because you could make the argument, Charlie, that their defense is a bigger concern right now than the offense simply because of what happened Sunday in Arizona. The Bengals go up 24 to 14 after the 63-yard bomb to Jamar Chase. What do they do? They allow Arizona to run right down the field. There was that 40, what, three, 44-yard run uh, by the wide receiver on, a, I guess, a wide receiver option. And there was nobody in sight there for the Bengals. It looked like completely blown coverage, and they didn't seal at the line of scrimmage. Uh, there, there was also a couple of missed tackles, um, you know, when the Cardinals got down the field. What, what do you see on defense that the Bengals really need to shore up quickly? So this is why Lou Anarumo doesn't play rookie defensive backs historically. And then you look at a point yesterday, it's DJ Turner, it's Cam Taylor Britt, who's in his first full year as a starter. It's Jordan Battle and it's Dax Hill, who's in his first full year as a starter. Um, it is exactly what it looks like. Like the, the space you're seeing in the middle of the field, leaving Zach Ertz <coughs> open in the end zone, um, some open space in the run game where, where players aren't quick enough to, to get downhill in anticipation of the play, all of that, the, the communication, all that stuff is a symptom of a young defense. And Blue and Rumo is going to be getting, going to continue to be getting head coaching interviews. Uh, he has all this stuff that, that has been a part of his big reputation. This is where Lou, you know, really has to make his money. How much can the Bengals overcome a flaw in the defense that Lou hates having? He hates having young defensive backs. How much can the Bengals, how much can Lou really put a system in place that puts them in, in a position to be more successful? Well, and, and Charlie, you bring up a great point, but the Bengals organizationally uh, and philosophically decided to go with the younger players because of price tag because you know to save money charlie because you know you let jesse bates go you let von bell go and you have two players there you've got to fill the gap somehow um they did sign nick scott from the rams and we can get to nick scott in a little bit but uh they're gonna have to be and you have cheeto awuzier coming back from an acl you're going to have to rely on your young draft picks that you've uh, selected through um you know you've brought up through the draft. The most concerning thing is that Nick Scott got benched. As much as Lou Anarumo hates rookie defensive, not hates, but you know what I mean? Yes. It is not looking to, he doesn't them. suffer them. Well, Charlie, he does not suffer young players who are inexperienced, who don't know the roles like the back of their hands. He doesn't, you know, suffer that very well. He doesn't tolerate it very well, even though, and I'm giving you more and more time to clear your throat as I vamp here. Um, he doesn't suffer that well because you can't rely on them as well and to communicate with each other the way Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell did over the years. The most concerning thing is how Nick Scott got benched after missing a tackle, after being a part of that play where they left Sackerts open. What's concerning is as much as there's been a, a lack of willingness to play these rookie defensive backs, Nick Scott still wasn't the guy that Lou Anaruma wanted on the field for a stretch in that game. That is very, very concerning for the veteran the Bengals look to add. Yeah, and you know I think that the Bengals secondary is coming along. I think DJ Turner has looked very good. I mean, if it weren't for DJ Turner, uh, Charlie, this defense would be in deep, deep doo-doo. 
Uh, DJ Turner is good. Lou Interimo did, you know, listen to an interview he did yesterday, said there were a few times where the communication on that side of the field wasn't sound, but he had a couple, <laughs> couple nice tackles on the one crazy ton of run where he broke all those tackles. Turner had great hustle, recovering across the field side to side. Um, I haven't noticed him in coverage at all. He's fast. He's he knows exactly what he's doing from a technique standpoint. Yeah. I think he's further along now than Cam Taylor Britt was at this point last year. So there's a lot to like from him. Uh, but overall, there are just things you don't see um, that the Bengals need to be better with. Talking with Charlie Goldsmith, covering the Bengals and the NFL for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Be sure to subscribe to Charlie's chalkboard in the Bengals newsletter. Did I get that right, by the way? Please correct me if Charlie. I did. Charlie Shockboard, that's the, that's the name. Yes, uh, in the Cincinnati Bengals or Cincinnati.com newsletter. All right, what about Nick Scott? Bengal fans, when they hear what you just said about Nick Scott, they're going to be like, well, wait a minute. He was a free agent. He, the Bengals knew that they were going to have to replace Jesse Bates. And as it turned out, they have to replace Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Um, what do they do? How do they solve the Nick, Nick Scott issue? right now this, this, is the issue. this this is the big debate that will be going on in Pecor stadium this week so i'm going to make this more about jordan battle so like jordan battle was someone who was incredibly inconsistent in the preseason and training camp penalties he had like an unnecessary roughness yeah. i remember a play against the packers in the back of the end zone where like he just makes some sort of coverage communication gaff and leaves a guy wide open for a touchdown like he had moments like that that's why it was never really a competition for between him and Nick Scott. <clears throat> now, what have we seen during the regular season from Jordan Battle? Because he's the guy, if you bench Scott, he's the guy. Um, I'm familiar with one play before this week that Lou specifically mentioned after Scott left the Rams game concussion, or excuse me, the uh, Ravens game concussion protocol, Battle just didn't recognize the run and gave up a lot of space for a big run. Like that's the type of moment that gives Nick Scott an edge, even though his tackling and his coverage and everything hasn't really been, been pretty. Uh, but then what you saw from Jordan battle against the Cardinals, you saw a dynamic pass breakup over the middle of the field. We haven't seen that from Nick Scott. You saw two outstanding blitzes. One got a stop. The other four stops get rid of the ball on a, uh, on what ended up being Cam Taylor Britt's pick six. So those were those couldn't have been more encouraging moments from battle. Again, you mentioned the quality of competition. I guess Nick Scott right now because he finished the game. I think there's something to that. I think the stage it might be right now is like at one point last year they like wanted to rotate Cam in to see what they had. I right. think they're at that point with Jordan Battle. I think this is a a big big stretch here for Nick Scott to not be the player he's been with all the mistakes he's made. What about Tyson Anderson? Tyson Anderson never really has gotten a shot. Um, my guess is that it would be run defense and tackling, which I'll be honest, I didn't go through the Tyson Anderson preseason run defense. Uh, I didn't chart those plays specifically looking at how he was in that area. Um, I expected based on what he did in the preseason that he would have gotten the edge over battle in those three safety looks just against pass coverage. That hasn't been the case. So that, that shows already, you know, because that's Tyson's biggest strength. That shows already that Jordan all along has had a pretty big edge over Tyson. Yeah. I just, given what we heard when the Bengals drafted Tyson Anderson out of Toledo, his athleticism alone 
would make him a candidate, you know, a viable candidate, but you know, he's still just in his second season and, you know, he missed all of last year due to injury. So you're talking about a guy who's essentially right, Charlie, in his rookie season. Oh, I mean, last year was a red shirt. He, he, he's yeah. just as much rookie as Jordan Battle. Again, when you look at like Tyson Anderson's biggest strength is playmaking and pass coverage. Jordan Battle's biggest strength is <clears throat> versatility, uh, physicality, tackling, also so, some nice powerful plays and pass coverage. Uh, but Jordan was already getting the snaps in the area that you would have thought would have been Tyson's strength. So pretty clearly he, uh, again, all along has had the edge on the depth chart. I'm going to ask you to go outside the X's and O's box right now and um, kind of get inside Zach Taylor's mind, if you would, and how you think he has handled the start to this season. And one of his strengths, I think, is clearly not hitting the panic button. Do you think that um, he maybe should have started showing a little more urgency toward the end of training camp and the start of the regular season than he did. So <clears throat> what this reminds me of is the conversations about penalties that really plagued the Bengals through the first four weeks, offensive, defensive, missed tackles on defense. The, the story of the first four weeks for the Bengals was self-inflicted mistakes. They were beating themselves. They were getting in their own way. Um, blitz pickups, like things that should be sorted out for a veteran team. Um, they were pretty healthy this year during the summer. Obviously, Burrow missed time, but defensively, offensive line, there was no reason, no excuse for why these things should have happened. Um, whether a couple more preseason series would have fixed those, you know, what, what would they have played? Four total series. They had all that in week one and, and, you know, way more than that in week one and the issues didn't get corrected. So they had more time than they would have even gotten in training camp in the preseason to correct these issues and they didn't. I don't know what they could have done differently to start faster, but they definitely needed to have done something. Yeah. I just, I find it a little bit alarming that they scored just the three points in their first two road games, both blowout losses. It, from the naked eye, it looked like they weren't ready to go, you know, and that is, I mean, it's kind of um, a cliche cheap way out of it. Uh, to explain it away like that. But that's what to the naked eye it looked like. And I, I'm sure Zach saw the same thing that you saw on film. And that is what you just talked about, the unforced errors, the lack of discipline. Um, and maybe this team just needs a month to get it out of its system. We'll see whether or not Sunday was a signal of better things to come. And let me double down on like what teams are doing with twists and stunts and games and loopers and whatever you want to call them up the middle, where they kind of bring in that extra blitzer uh, to push the pocket up the middle. The Bengals are communicating terribly with those. And those are a thing time and time again, you see teams attacking the Bengals with. That shouldn't happen with a veteran line that's played five games together now. Um, that to me, if you're, if you're looking at things to fix, tackling and that uh, could end up costing the Bengals games this year if they don't find a solution immediately. Working on anything this week in yeah, particular? I, I, something will happen, but uh, I'm not quite sure yet, so you'll stay tuned. Yeah, I, I just find this week, it's not a must-win per se like last week was, but I do think the opportunity, Charlie, is there for this team to get healthy um, physically and mentally if they can get back to 500 heading into the bye. I think Seattle is a winnable game at home. 
if the Bengals play to their potential, if they get T Higgins back, that will also help them quite a bit. You, you think that's a 50, 50 proposition to get Higgins, T back? Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like there were <clears throat> conversations balancing all these different factors for him playing last week. And I think that, you know, historically when you have those conversations and they lead with a no, you know, look at Jamar Chase last year. Look at Joe Mixon last year when he had the concussion. Usually those lead to being back the following week. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, where can people check out your work? Just everything in the Cincinnati Inquirer and Cincinnati.com. All right. He is Charlie Goldsmith. Does a fabulous job covering the Cincinnati Bengals. Be sure to check him out on Twitter and online at Cincinnati.com. Until next week. I'm Mike Petralia Trags for Charlie Charlie Goldsmith. Keep that jungle roaring.